Welcome to Quitters Never Give Up, the podcast that discusses the Kevin and Bean radio show that became a bunch of podcasts and a new radio show. I'm Christopher Rosales, and with me is listener Lindsay, Jennifer Sunshine, and listener Edwin. Today's show is our special St. Patrick's Day review. <laughs> Thank you, AM radio host Christopher. Today's show features Bean appearing on KLOS, the podcast Roundup with Christopher, and listener Edwin's look back at 2010 with the wonderful Miss Cleo. We also tried calling into KLOS yet again to get LaBamba played, and to avoid listening to a busy signal for five minutes, here's a spoiler, we failed yet again. So prior to Bean appearing on KLOS um, on that Monday, we posted a link to Zoom on the Kevin and Bean Social Club page for us to have a little listening party for anyone who wanted to join. About 15 people ended up showing up and we all enjoyed hearing Bean and Kevin on the air. There was also a poll up there on what Bean's first words would be as he got onto the air. Um, I just added some kind of random ones like, I thought this was Ryan Seacrest or who is this? Or Fresno, what you sipping? But I don't think any of us expected this to happen. We have a uh, special guest on the phone. No way, man. No way. <laughs> it's yeah. happening. No yes way. No <laughs> yes way. We're in charge here. <laughs> How are you yeah. doing that? How are you making that happen? God, God bless you, Sluggo, for doing that. That's the greatest off. thing I've ever heard. Never. Turn that off oh, right now. I love that. Nope. Hey. Bean did bust uh, Kevin's chops about playing classic rock. I thought that was very funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and someone pointed out on the society page as they ex- exited the bid, as they as Kevin or Bean went off, they went into a Motley Crue song. They go, how many times are you going to hear that? Kevin and Bean going off into a Motley Crue song. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Yeah, they still got that chemistry. They come on, they just play off each other, those voices. Yeah, it's too bad it was only one segment. I wish you could sit in yeah. for the whole show someday. I have a clip from uh, Cup of Tea in a Chat where they talk about Kevin being on KLOS. I want to play just one piece of tape from that appearance, and I want the teabaggers to let me know whether they think it was mission accomplished by me going on the show to promote the Cup of Tea in a Chat podcast. Because <laughs> let's remember, that's the reason I was going on, right? Nice to talk mm-hmm. to Kevin. Nice to talk to Sluggo. But I thought, hey, you know what? Let's beat the bushes a little bit. Maybe introduce some people to the show. Here's how that part of the interview went. Uh, tell us about your uh, podcast real quick because I, we do have to go. Let me put in a plug. I appreciate that. Uh, our dear friend, Allie McKay, that Kevin and I worked with for all those years on K-Rock, she and I got together and started doing a podcast back in October. There's a free version of it wherever you get your podcast. It's called A Cup of Tea and a Chat. Ah. And then we also do a Patreon version. All right, now during that part, that's yeah. when I'm doing all the business, right? I'm like, yeah, we're yeah, you're, You continued talking. I sure right? did. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're doing three and a half hours, and we're doing this, and we're doing that, and here's how that works. We've got bonus features and blah, blah, blah. But instead, if you're listening to KLOS, what you're hearing is... Version. Hello? So, yeah, that was uh, being getting thrillered on KLOS. That bit started because there was a guy doing, do you remember those, um, what were they called? Well, the flash flash mobs, mobs, right? And they were going to do the world's record-breaking That's thriller right. flash mob. And every time, I guess the Kevin Bean got really annoyed with him. So every time he tried to promote the flash mob, they just started playing thriller. And so That's that just right. became a recurring thing for a few years. Do you remember the most famous thrill? Who got thrilled the worst? No. Who? You don't. Sam, the Armenian comedian. Oh, that makes sense. Oh. <laughs> he was at one of the April Foolishness, and they told him, yeah, you're going to close the show. He comes up on stage. They thrill him, close the curtain. That was it. Didn't he call in a bomb threat after April Foolishness? That's the one. Yeah. He was so mad that that was the whole bomb threat thing. Yeah. So there was. Well, he called no in. Armenian he called like comedian. on the weekend, and he got a phone screener that didn't know who he was. So he was just fit to be tied. He was furious. He was cursing at them. I'm going to blow up the station. So they had to tell their bosses, some nut is threatening to blow up the station. And it just snowballed from there. It was a crazy story. Yeah. And that was in 2007, because I heard that not too long ago. Yeah. Well, the police said, you can't talk to him, because it was an ongoing investigation. So they said, you can't talk to him. You can't have him on. So they were cut off, not that they cared, except for Kevin. 
yeah so he was out off for what a year maybe two it was a long time yeah it was a long time all right so on the podcast roundup there's so much to go over on janky town they discussed beer mug talking to doto and that they want to start a podcast with doto which i am completely against doto wants to start a podcast that's the impression yeah. i got because yeah. he he seems to laser focus on someone it used to be bean i guess now it's beer mug so i yeah. think doto is like what's radio uh what do you think i should do can i do a podcast <laughs> all right they had a segment that was what's up with poo where a woman didn't pick up her dog shit on someone's yard there was a new segment called what you watching tv dave came up with a fantastic song that i think Lindsay would love um <clears throat> what you're watching tv what you're watching tv netflix hulu amazon 2 disney plus i'm watching how about you it's tv 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 oh my um they did coming to america 2 raya the last dragon the night of perry mason a whole bunch of shows thousand pound sisters and then dave talked about the uh royal interview that we talked about last week uh pretty much their take on the whole royal interview was they don't care they reached out to bean to ask him about his tattoo and since the whole controversy whether bean regrets his tattoo or not and here's bean Hello, Janky Town listeners. My name is Gene Bean Baxter, co-host of the A Cup of Tea and a Chat podcast. I have received a question from somebody in the Janky Town universe, and his name is, it says here it is Dave. I'm looking at his letter. I don't think English is his first language, but let's see what he's asking. Bean, I remember when you got that tattoo of Queen Elizabeth on your arm a couple of years ago, and I was wondering, in light of recent news, if you have any regrets about that tattoo. Absolutely not, Dave. The queen is forever. Look, we can have a separate conversation about how much she's responsible for the allegations that Meghan and Harry are throwing her way. Even though they specifically went out of their way to say she was always lovely to them, she's the head of the firm. There are other people in the organization who did not treat them so well. And ultimately, yes, the buck stops with Her Majesty. But I think she's a very, very good person. And I'll tell you something else. I know a lot of people may not understand this. They just look at her as a really rich lady who my tax dollars go to support. She does a lot for this country. She has dedicated her life to service for 69 nice years. She has been on the throne. Omar, I know you'd like to be on the throne as much as possible, too. So who can blame her majesty, right? The queen is doing a great job. I am no monarchist. I have no affection whatsoever for Prince Charles. I don't mind William. I don't care about Harry at all. But it wouldn't bother me a bit if they decided upon Queen Elizabeth's death that they were going to abolish the whole damn thing. Yeah. I just love her majesty. Therefore, the answer to your question, Dave, I do not regret my tattoo. In fact, I'm thinking about getting another one of her on D's nuts. That's the kind of comedy you guys do on this show, right? Okay. Thanks for writing. Bye. Oh, man. It, it was interesting and funny to see Bean dip down to their D's nuts level. It's going to be a fun interview on Monday. I'm looking forward to that. Now, well, that's the podcast they were supposed to have the feud with, right? Exactly. They're, they're supposed, supposed to be feuding podcasts. So he was actually be... pretty nice to him, actually. Yes. The Janksters versus the Teabaggers. We got to get be... in on that. I'm going to pick a fight with Bean with a cup of tea. <laughs> Bean will come at you with his ukulele and his uh, Where the Wild Things Are costume. So don't poke the bear already. Don't poke uh, the bean. Don't poke the bean. <laughs> um, oh, that could be a segment. Poke the bean. Then they went into COVID and how it's been a year. And this also ties into some of the things that happened in Cup of Tea in the chat. Both of these things, the Bean's tattoo and the COVID being a year, a year, it was asked on the podcast what they would do different. And Beer Mug said, of course, he wouldn't have taken that moving job that got him COVID. They all had things that they wished they had done, knowing that the shutdown or lockdown or rockdown or lickdown, as they call it on Cup of Tea in the chat, was going to be this long. And then Bean talked about that with Ali and how he wanted to learn the ukulele and he never did. He has several ukuleles in his house. He even has one that he was going to give to Kennedy as a gift that he never gave. And finally, he's taking ukulele lessons, and they've promised to have Bean playing ukulele on the show sometime soon. That brought up an interesting thing, that Allie has perfect pitch. And so that she can play piano, and she can sing, 
and she just gets bored with it. she just basically and said she got bored with it and wishes that she'd stuck with it but never did and yeah, then, i can't believe that never came up ever yeah i just perfect pitch you can just play things by ear that's amazing yeah he being asked, she can't sing i mean i've heard her sing fake stuff like what was what did she do that famous one it was uh guns and roses yeah she sounds just like it but i think she can really sing for reals maybe a ali and bean duet oh how maybe. awesome would that be? Yes. maybe she can join melfon so then they Allie and Bean went on Graham Max podcast. That's a podcast that interviews people that do podcasts on that podcast, which is on YouTube. I recommend everybody listen to because it goes in depth on, on, on the background of how Allie and Bean got started and, and their point of view. And then Bean shows his tattoo off into the camera. He shows it right there. And they talk about how, how Allie wanted him to get the jab right in the, the queen's face. <laughs> Graham Mack asked him to show that tattoo, and then he had this follow-up question. And why, why is that there? So then, of course, they talk about St. Patrick's Day on the cup of tea. They don't do much of that. They do Grammy talk, which, uh, who cares? They did quiz show <laughs> Wednesdays. Pretty much, Bean is going to kill Bob Barker. Price's right host and animal activist Bob Barker was buried in a pet cemetery at his request. I feel like... Y you can't do that legally mm -hmm. but if anyone can't i mean barker is his last name right he's pretty much a dog um <laughs> and he did I'm no still... one did more for animals than bob barker too. nobody nobody but i'm still gonna go with false you think it is false and you are yeah. correct <gasps> not ali not just because he wasn't buried in a pet cemetery but because he's still alive yeah! oh! <laughs> no he's not Yes, he is. <laughs> so that is awesome. Just burying him anywhere would have been a bad idea. So, Bean, are you serious? Yeah, I think he's uh, he's either ninety seven or ninety eight, but he's oh still my alive. God. Well, I mean, get ready. Wow. Bean mentioned Bob Barker's death, and as with Larry King and with a few other celebrities, they soon pass. So. They're watching out for Bob Barker right now. Okay, Allie fights. You gotta fight! The birds, Allie. The Allie fights this week. Allie fights with Daylight Savings Time. She saving. Can't get, saving, saving. <laughs> Allie fights with Daylight Saving Time. She fell asleep in her shower. She fights with her computer because she couldn't get on the Grand Mac show. She fights with birds. She fights with birds and she fought with her garbage <laughs> men. They... Pretty much came in right into the uh, the Wednesday podcast. She said um, she went out in a robe and yelled at the birds. I love that. They talked to uh, Allie's neighbor, Greg, who uh, was Meghan Markle's boss and invented the Frappuccino. Moving on to great news. They played Stinky Pinky. What mm -hmm. is Stinky Pinky? Mike has a talent for a game that his dad used to play with other military guys on the base. They would give him two words that don't seem to rhyme, and he would find two words that rhyme that match with it. So smelly thumb or smelly uh, little finger or something like that. And then it's stinky pinky. Okay. So uh, listeners would tweet or say any, any combination of words. And then he would, okay. he has that rhyme in there and then he gets frustrated when the rhymes don't quite work out. Well, thank so God. No one, Mike, that could have been much worse. Right. Yeah. <laughs> On the Ralph report, they have a segment where they make fun of the cartoon strip Ziggy and how unfunny it is. It is terrible. It is very terrible. It's so bad. <laughs> they did the Garmy game show. It's been around show. only like 40 years. But <laughs> add in, too, that Eddie is doing his own Ziggy cartoons that are funny. They did Eddie Oki, which is hilarious. Eddie Oki sang the Ides of March vehicle, and that was really bad. And then there was a drunk Eddie clip where he can't say vagina. You know what they say, dirty feet, dirty woohoo. <laughs> what they say stop it i'm just saying Who says you don't take care of your feet don't take care of your wawa <laughs> that's a thing i'm serious <laughs> dirty feet dirty woo woo or wawa for that matter unless you're fucking eight years old i don't know how to say it are you referring to the vagina yes that's how we, you that's how adults say it, Eddie. Mm -hmm. 
Why? What connect? What possible connection could it have between the feet and the you vagina? Just, you don't take care of your feet. You don't take care of that area. That makes no, <laughs> no sense whatsoever. A, it's core. It's all fucking connected. <laughs> just saying. You're you spectacular. Don't, don't take care of your feet. You don't take care of the wawa. Fair enough. Stop calling it a wawa. My God, what are you for? It's a vagina. A it's not a woohoo. It's nothing but a vagina. <laughs> Jesus Christ is saying. You're not just saying. That's the problem. <laughs> if you were just saying, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But you're going woo-woo and wah-wah. Hee-haw. <laughs> that discussion happened on St. Patrick's Day, where Ralph did the show live and had 10 shots, according to Eddie's count. And then I was disappointed because Ralph survived. Well, mildly disappointed. <laughs> He was able to upload St. Patrick's Day show and do a Thursday show. And on the Thursday show, they discussed a story in the news that gave Eddie a little bit of sweet revenge where someone got crushed by a car trying to steal a catalytic converter. Ralph interviewed a dominatrix named Mistress Misha. And then on Friday, they talked about non-fungible, fungible NFTs and a whole bunch of alien talk. And then they did the, the detective movies in the video vault. So yeah, that's a rundown of all the podcasts that happened this week. So much stuff. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On today's week that was 2010, Edwin takes a deep dive into the last Kevin and Bean remote. Kevin and Bean's Vomit by Noon, St. Patrick's Day at Casey's Irish Pub. And with him today to do that deep dive is Miss Cleo. Clock, clock, with a clock, and it's both and, with a clock, and it's and, uh, 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 clock, similar to, uh, clock, clock, with a clock. Hello. Welcome. How are you doing, Miss Cleo? Doing well, thank you guys. It's such a pleasure to be here. Oh, pleasure's all ours. So what we're going to do, normally we just do the whole week from 2010, but we're just doing St. Patrick's Day because it was crazy. So I just wanted to ask you, you were behind the scenes. Now, I already asked you this. You weren't on air that day. What were you doing? Were you trying to control the crowd? What was your job? So interestingly enough, I actually wasn't supposed to be on site that day. Um, so I was driving into the studio to man the phones, assist with audio and anything else that the guys would need from studio. Um, and um, we, I think they referred to her as Voldemort at this point, the former executive producer called me literally as I was driving into the station and said, hey, I am terribly sick. I'm not gonna be able to make it um, to the site for like forego going to the studio and head over to um the the remote and I'm gonna have you you're gonna take control that day and I I was like okay I had done that a few times before um but never flying solo and so I pivoted I was out of nowhere uh, yeah going to the station all of a sudden you went to the remote this is amazing okay I think I was in pajama pants at some point like I was expecting I didn't have any makeup on in my head I thought great the guys aren't in the studio today I'm gonna slum it I'll go take care of whatever's you know in studio and I'll head back home. I mean, jokes on me ultimately, but so I headed over to the site. Um, and I, that day I was really kind of manned with um, lining up any of the, we had a few phoners that day. So a few guests that were um, calling in. So I was in charge of doing like the pre-screen that morning, getting them, whoever the guests, I don't even remember who the guests were that day, but whoever they were, uh, making sure the audio was um, was clean, kind of preparing them to go live with Kevin and Bean, or Kevin and Ralph. Bean, Bean was not, he didn't call in that day, I don't think. He typically takes St. Patrick's Day off. I don't think he was on air that day. Yeah, so, they announced uh, that he was going to be on vacation because he hates fun. Yeah, yeah. So it was Kevin and Ralph, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's what I was mainly going to be ma managing um, and also managing the guys, making sure they weren't getting too rowdy, um, assisting with like anything related to kind of crowd control. 
Um, so really, yes, like behind the scenes, that was that was my duties for that day. Um, and I think we all know how, you know, that show ended up. So <laughs> if that's not your fault. You cannot control a Kevin of being crowd. The thing right. was, I listened to the show twice because it was so good. And I'm like, wait, I think that's Sarah yelling at people. I'm like, I wonder if her job is to try to control these nuts. So that's not I, your fault. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I remember the, it's, it was at the Dublin, right? In downtown. Casey's, um, right? Oh, Casey's. That's right. Okay. And typically for remotes, they set a, a decent amount of space between the, where the guys are sitting and the crowd so that you don't get like that overflow of crowd noise. And because Casey's was so small and like packed in and they were trying to allow as many people as possible, the the crowd was literally up against the table um, where the guys were sitting. So mics were picking up everything. Um, and as the show progressed, as we all know, it just got sloppier and sloppier. And, um, you know, it was hard to manage the crowd expectations. The guys were just, I mean, the wheels were off by the third hour. They were trying to force me to drink from like six in the morning. And I was like, guys, someone's got to keep this together. King of Mexico was, was drunk by the, like everyone was just like falls to the wall kind of in it that day. Um, and so managing the crowd was really difficult because I, I mean, I was getting calls from the, from the engineers back at the station saying like, I cannot hear what the guys are saying. I can't hear anything. We got to push the crowd back. So, um, yeah, yes, that was probably yelling at some point. <laughs> yeah, one of the guests was the director, creator and director of the movie Leprechaun. That's right. Oh, no, that's so he right. called in because they were talking about it. They did a video vault and he called in and that's something that the boss was mad about. They even replayed that and they said you could barely hear the director, yeah. you could hear the crowd. So that's why they were right up against you guys. It's interesting because, you know, Weatherby typically didn't really listen to the show. Like we were, he kind of just let us do our own thing. And so that morning, for whatever reason, I think he was he was driving into the station and turned us on. And he caught the last maybe hour and a half. And that's what really got us in trouble because I mean, we all know the infamous reggaeton horn. We know oh getting crazier and crazier as the as the show continued. Um that's it right. was does this sound familiar, was, Sarah? It haunts me to this day, guys. <laughs> me too. Okay, now that brings up Omar. Did you see any of Omar's craziness? Oh, of course. I, I, I tried stopping him at some point. And there's just no, when Omar gets in that zone, there's no stopping him. Um, and it was, it was hard because, for, like, the chaos of it all kind of became humorous at some point. At some point, I just had to throw my hands up and say, there's, I mean, there's no stopping this. I might as well just laugh and enjoy um, and so watching O get continuously more rowdy and he's, O is a, a, a professional to the nth degree, like, and he takes his engineering very seriously. So to see someone like O who typically like is in studio and is all about the audio and the, the cleanliness of what's going on on air, um, to see him just like not give an F, it was, it was really kind of funny. Like you couldn't help but laugh. Well, the joke was they would always say, Omar swing it from the chandelier. And then he would say, I'm back at the station. So this time, yeah. this re it really happened. That was the real Omar. Yep, it was him. He was on site. And that's true. It's It was for the remotes. It was typically O and myself back in the studio. I would be manning phones, kind of assisting, um, uh, again, like in studio with any of the audio that's coming in from the live. And then O was really kind of a head engineer that day, connecting with the engineers that were typically on site. I can't remember what happened this time that that under like what happened into the circumstances that O was on site. Um, but man, he I mean he was in rare form that day. Were the bosses really that mad at you guys? Oh yeah, there were multiple really? meetings. Yeah. Um, and I was, you know, I wasn't privy to some of the higher up stuff. So whatever I whatever meetings I was involved in was like the trickle down effect. So there were multiple meetings. Um, they, they were really, they were not happy with what went down that day. 
like any possible thing that could have gone wrong with the exception of like someone getting arrested, like really went wrong that day. Okay, tell you what, I've got a bunch of clips. Let's just kind of go through it and we'll see if that reminds you of anything. Okay, okay. so Monday they, they announced the party. We are going to announce our St. Patrick's Day party. Yes. Uh, and if this tells you anything, the name of it is Kevin and Bean's Vomit by Noon, St. Patrick's Day party. <laughs> that's so. our goal. That's what we're shooting for. <laughs> so that's We're just being honest this year, <laughs> Vomit I think. by Noon. Okay, so that's how they started out. So they were going for that. Okay, now let's go. This is when Omar starts going crazy. it's so i can i mean listening to these clips it really kind of bring it's I can like see it in my head. So the guys were at the end of the bar um, with a table that was lined up and O was kind of across the bar from them. He wasn't sitting directly next to them. And so the drunker Omar got, like the louder he felt like he had to yell in order to like to let Kevin and Bean like hear, even though, or Kevin and Ralph, even though he had a mic in front of him. So he just got louder and louder and louder as the, as the show went on. Now they turned his mic off but how could he still play the reggaeton sound? I want to say he had, and forgive me, a lot of like the tech stuff has gone out of my head. It's, it's like over 10 years now, but um, I want to say he had an audio board that that was linked directly to like on air. And then he had a, a live yeah. mic um, that was like in, that you could hear like in the bar, but also, um, so he kind of had like two, two, audio um routes that were coming in so the reggaeton horn was off of his soundboard but she could just hit a button all day long and it was playing yeah so even and he did played, play all day long yeah it was still going out on okay. there so uh this kind of sounds like you is this you it is the kevin and bean vomit by noon there's a woman with goals <laughs> was that you I I couldn't tell. Maybe it could have been if I was trying that to get them to say like, the right thing. That also sounds like maybe like a drunk woman in the audience. Yeah, maybe it wasn't you because we all said, "Oh, I talked to her and she doesn't have a job," so I don't think that's you because you had a <laughs> yeah, job that day. Yeah, you, you had the hardest job in the world. Yeah. Okay, they were doing a contest to give away tickets to Kings of Leon, so this was pretty funny. I guess everybody was already drunk. All right, this is Fernando. Fernando, where are you from? From East L.A. East L.A. East L.A. What song are you going to be singing? I'm going to be singing Sex on Fire. Sex on Fire. Oh, Here's, another King song. Great. Here's Fernando. I just forgot the lyrics. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Simon Cowell. Simon Cowell is very disappointed in you right now. <laughs> Do you remember the lyric sex on fire? Because they're in the song. I love that. He forgot the lyrics to the song Sex on Fire. I totally forgot that we did this. Part of what I did that day, Dave sent me out with a with a mic and he was like, go find out some people in the audience that can sing Kings of Leon songs. And it was so loud in there. And people were like already drunk by 7 a.m. And so I was walking through the crowd trying to figure out if anyone knew lyrics to, to any Kings of Leon song. And I truthfully, like, I mean, they could have been singing the ABCs to me. I could not hear a thing of, of what they were saying back to me as I was screening the audience to see who knew Kings of Leon songs. Okay. Because I kept hearing you in the background. Your voice is like really good that way it cuts through stuff. I'm like, that's Sarah. <laughs> So yeah, okay, that explains a lot. That's okay, a lot they, of <laughs> No, I love it. it. Your voice is very good that way. So like I said, they had the guy that created the movie Leprechaun on. Uh, this is just cracks me up. This is from Leprechaun in the Hood. Coming from the land of the Irish 
Lap in the hood, come to do no good. So that was pretty funny. But that guy, the director called in, so that must be one guy you set up, right? Yes, and I remember being, it was really hard to hear him to begin with. Um, and then again, like, you know, that, it was so loud in the bar. I think it was just so close and so confined. Typically they're, the, the remotes are either outside or like on a, on a patio. So it's not like directly inside a, um, or if it's in, if it's indoors, um, like I said, there's distance. So it was just really hard to hear anybody. I don't think I heard more than two words from him as I was pre-screening him. <laughs> yeah, they, later on, they played one of the clips of talking to the director. And it's like, you can hear the people in the bar as much as the director, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Okay, so as we go on, Omar's going more and more crazy. All right, now, we're gonna make some phone call, a little game. Gonna get us chaser? Huh? We're gonna make some phone calls. There are people here who are... All right, Omar. Easy with the reggaeton. There are people here who didn't think ahead. I'm gonna put you right in the head. for Omar. So they tried to cut him off, but nope. <laughs> okay, so now Kevin's getting a little bit madder. Hang on a second, Ralph. Do you mind? No, what, what are you doing? Are you Shut going? the F up, Omar! <laughs> you are you're yelling things without a microphone. <laughs> okay, now they talk about that Omar jumped behind the bar and got thrown out. So this is what this was Kevin's response, which I which I love. Omar decided that he didn't want to wait to be served. Ah. So he walked around behind the bar and started helping himself. Self-serve. Omar. I see. So not serious? only was he pouring his own drink, oh he was God. taking orders from people and starting to make their drinks. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> right? So I was helping him out, dude. So the security, two giant security guards go rushing back there and they grab him. And they come by me and they look at me like, he works for you guys, you know. What should we do? And I said, what do you normally do? And they said, throw them out. And I was like, throw them out. <laughs> Ralph bought a horse. Oh. Well, that kind of, let's just go to that one. Ralph bought a horse. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a partial owner in a racehorse now. And we're not uh, sure how that happened or who it was that was talking to him about it. It happened yesterday at some point. But he got a congratulations email. We're not sure what he, what is he, what he owes. Okay, so two things. Did you see Omar go behind the bar? He served me a shot. He and I took shots together. He crawled behind the bar. At this point, it was like, this was the last like maybe 10, 15 minutes of the, the show. And like I said, the guys have been trying to get me to drink the entire morning. I refused up until maybe like 8.45 or 9.45, 9.50, right before the show ends at 10. Oh. And so, oh, climbed over the, he was, he kept asking, he and I were standing right next to one another at the bar and he kept trying to signal the bartender of course they're they're assisting the patrons and O said forget this he's like cleo you want to drink let's do this he literally hopped behind the bar he poured two shots for him himself and myself and then he started literally like taking orders from people and i also witnessed kevin say get him out of here like this is ridiculous so yeah i, I saw it all go down okay i love that story so he got <laughs> kicked out but he got back in right he did. He made his way back in. I think partially too, because part of what security, you know, security is half um, hired security for the day, but it's also the, you know, behind the scenes, what um, the people who don't get a lot of credit is the K-Rock promotions crew. They are incredible at what they do. And um, more often than not, they are manning the door, um, you know, allow making sure anyone who, who enters was um, a guest that won tickets. They're ensuring that, you know, Nothing crazy is happening in front of the the entrance. So I suspect O came back around, was talking to the the promotions guys, and was like, oh, "I'm coming back in," and like they're not, not going to say anything to Omar. So I think that's probably how he snuck his way back in. Okay, so that that's basically the day. I recommend anyone listening go to the last showbiz beat of that day. <laughs> we love it when it goes off the rails. The last showbiz beat is great always. So it's it is amazing. Okay, so now here's the epilogue. So the next day, a certain someone didn't show up to work. Do you remember that? Beer mug. Oh my gosh, that's right. 
Oh, I completely forgot about that. But I don't think it was related to the 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 broadcast that morning. I think he was doing his own thing the night before. No, not really. Because the next day they really? called Beer Mug. All of a sudden snuck up on me was it's 720. And Last night or this morning? This morning. Okay. The AM. The AM. Mm-hmm. All right. And I'm laying in a bush in a neighborhood in Chatsworth. <laughs> no! <laughs> laying in a bush in a neighborhood in Chatsworth, California. Yes. Now, wait. I do remember. I remember calling him. I was the one that was trying to call him to figure out where he was. But I didn't think he was at the broadcast the day before. Maybe he didn't go, but I. they said afterwards he was partying. So maybe he went there and partied and Probably. then woke up in a bush. That makes sense because we continued after the show ended. And actually, so I remember that like the promotions guys had to drive me back to the station with King of Mexico, because at that point, both of us were way too gone to, to drive. And then they were kind enough to drive me back down into downtown LA. Like I crashed at the station, took a nap. I think Dave and I went and like went to some event or some screening or something. And then the promotions guys drove us back to the bar at the end of the day so that we could go get our cars. Um, but we did we did stick around much longer after the the broadcast. So Muggs probably met us up met up with met up with us um, at some point okay. after the broadcast. Yeah, I remember them saying something about that. Like Muggs came later, and then he kept partying, and so I love that. <laughs> that that was a legendary thing. They would talk about Muggs waking up in a bush for years. Okay, this I think uh, this was a year later. I went and I looked at the podcast or the uh, show from that day. And they were kind of recapping all the trouble that happened. So let's see what the bosses thought about St. Patrick's Day, Omar craziness. We have an evil boss and our evil boss hates us and he hates fun. And so last year's show convinced him that we should never do another live show again as long as we live. Now, is that true? Did you guys never do another live show? Yeah. So I left. I left the show shortly thereafter, actually, after the so. I probably left in like May or April and um, they did not do a live event again. I want to say it was like close to three or four years before they did a live again. Okay. That's funny. Okay. So uh, they talked more about their evil boss. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't remember the name of the movie evil leprechaun three or something. It was, there's a, there's a leprechaun movie and it's about an evil one. And we talked to the guy who made the movie and it's possible that our crowd mics were up a little loud. Take some notes, and um, uh, while it was still coherent. Sure. And uh, so they did, and I, I came up with Leprechaun, and I said, no one's done it, and everybody knows fucking time, so let's do an evil, funny Leprechaun. So that's good, right? Okay, so Mr. Weatherby, evil boss who hates fun, he, you're, you're suggesting that maybe he listened to this broadcast and didn't think that you guys were paying right. as much attention to the broadcasting details as you might have been? How can he think that? <laughs> that's ridiculous. So that's like what you said. Apparently, he tuned into the last show, Bizbee. Yeah. And he heard the, the upset of craziness, the maximum craziness. Yeah. And then he came down on you guys. Yeah, he came down hard and we did the. That didn't happen very often with Weatherby. Do you ever keep in touch with any of the old guys, like Weatherby or Kevin or Bean? Or... Um, occasionally with Kevin and Bean, um, every now and then with, I mean, I, I think we're all at some, like, connected via social media on, like, one platform or another. Um, so every once in a while, I, I hear from them or I'll hit them up. Yeah, we heard you on the, uh, the old B-Team podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we were like double checking some of your old details. They, you were really good on that. That was a really interesting thing. Okay, Aww. just one more thing about the evil boss. So <laughs> why is the man coming down on us? I don't know. Why, why won't he let us have fun? But it, we are broadcasting for Cinco de Mayo, though, right? Uh, uh, never again, Bean. But what about our four twenty show? We're doing the four twenty show. Are we? Never again. So till eternity. So, well, not eternity, but I guess about three or four years. Yeah, I mean, I definitely for like, you know, for Acoustic Christmas and Weenie Roast, they would certainly, those were the exceptions. But anything that was Kevin and Bean centric or just for the morning show, it, it didn't happen for a very long time after that. Okay, that's too bad. But you guys did get back into the swing later because they even did a Kevin in the Morning Show remote, like uh, maybe a few months before the show went off the air 
Oh, I didn't know that. That's fantastic. Yeah, they went to the slide bar in Fullerton. That was when Allie and Jensen were on the show. So they eventually did something. I got to say, even like in studio, there was always something magic. Like there was a little bit, there's like a spice of magic when Kevin and Bean were together live, because for the majority of the time, Bean was, would be calling in and to the average listener, you can't really hear, but there was like just a little, there was like an energy when the two of them were in the same room together. So the live events were always really fun. The thing is, even though it may have went off the rails, it's like legendary. Any Kevin and Bean fan will remember that show. So far from making the show look bad, it made the show like a party. Yeah, I, I actually agree. I mean, it wasn't great for like anyone who was listening for content that day, but like if they were really interested in understanding what, you know, that Leprechaun movie was about, but for for pure laugh and, and joy, it, yeah, it was one of the oh. better ones. As an event, yeah. But I mean, how much do you really need to know about the Leprechaun movies, please? Oh, wait. And now, breaking news, boy. Now, I emailed a certain Bean Baxter today. I said, wow. we're having a guest star, and I'm really nervous. So, you know, Bean, he's so loving and kind. So this is what he said to me. So, you know, how do I interview Sarah? I'm really nervous. Um, treat her like a person, you dummy. Where can this alleged podcast be found? I had no idea. Is it jankier than Janky Town? So I told him, yes, it's much jankier than any Janky Town. So thank you, Bean. He, he, that bedside manner of his has not deteriorated at all. Unlike anybody I've ever met. He's an interesting fellow. The funny thing is, I want to be Kevin, because Kevin's like a force of nature. And then Bean's kind of very technical and Asperger-y. So I want to be Kevin, but I think I'm Bean. Honestly, it, Bean's, Bean's ability, I mean, his, his ability, I've never met anyone sharper, truthfully. Um, and his ability to, to run with it, stay professional and be sharp and funny and cutting. I mean, he's, he's, he's a radio genius, to be quite honest. And so is Kevin in his own right. Um, the two of them were just magic together. That's, that's all. I mean, I don't know how or when it happened, but someone upstairs thought that, you know, there was radio gold in the two of them and they were absolutely right. Yeah, their chemistry, because like I said, Bean was a genius. And I've listened to Bean do just straight broadcasts since he left the station. And I'm like, this guy's just a broadcaster. Yeah. You know, you forget because he's, he's, they're bringing the funny and the old right. show, but he's just a straight up broadcaster. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So that's basically the, the St. Patrick's Day. Just one quick thing. This is how great the show was. This also happened that same exact week. This Kat Corbett, who also works at the radio station, is not as at home as she is in Austin. Mm -hmm. Austin, hey. Texas? Hey, Kat. <laughs> so that crazy call also was the same week. So it's just like classic upon classic. That was, okay. that was fun times. <laughs> it was. One quick thing. Do you remember the time I got to go to the station and I met you? Yes. Yes, I do. Here's the thing. I've told these guys and my family the story a billion times because I'm an obsessive fan. So I go to the station and I see Charles. I'm like, this guy's on the radio on Kevin and Bean. Dave comes down. He's, hey, hey, come on in, Ed. I'm like, this is Dave from Kevin and Bean. I walk into this little room, Kevin, Lisa, Ralph, because Bean was gone by then. He was in Washington. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then Miss Cleo comes up. Oh, hi. Can I get you anything? Would you like a water? I'm like, she's on the radio. Why is she giving me water? <laughs> of course. That amazing was my <laughs> You're a star, dang it. So I was, I was freaked out the whole day. It was an amazing, fun day. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. It was always nice when we get to have listeners come in. Um, it didn't happen very often. <clears throat> but I always thought it was cool for, you know, for fans to be able to see behind the scenes. And, you know, we the the joke was that that was like a dumpy old building. That's what like the Jack FM tagline is for, <laughs> for that building where it housed Jack FM, Amp Radio and K-Rock. And there was nothing glamorous about it at that time. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really. <laughs> no, yeah. When they moved over to Entercom, um, even though they're evil beyond evil, um, the studio was was 
what you kind of expect to see, but, and I kind of, I dug that about our studio at K-Rock. It was, it, it matched the vibe with Kevin and Bean. So, but it was always nice when, when fans got to come in. Yeah. My sister, she called Kevin and Bean, said, my brother's a huge fan. He sends you guys clips. And somehow she finagled an invite for me. I think Bean put in a good word for me. So I got to go and I sat right next to the studio and watched you guys do the show. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I remember. I remember. That was crazy. Okay, just one last thing from me. We were all noticing how you're always upbeat when you're on the show. Now, <laughs> we thought you were on the show for like 10 years because there's so many moments we can think of. So what was it, like three, four years that you were on the show? I think in total, because I interned them, I interned for them for about four months. And then there was maybe like a four month gap um, before this, the switch happened. Um, and then I was hired on and I think I was there for almost three and a half years. So okay, maybe like so. a combined total of like close to four years, but between my internship and my time um, hired. One thing I've always wondered when they were going to put you on, did they say, Hey, is it okay if we say this, we're going to talk about that. Can we joke about this? Or was it just mics on boom? Mics on boom. And you know, to their credit, they did that to everyone. So it wasn't, I mean, there were times that Kevin wouldn't know what was going on. Ralph didn't know what was going on. It, it was an equal opportunity offender in that, <laughs> on that show. You never knew what you were getting yourself into. That you're right. That's the fair thing. Cause they would nail Bean. They would nail Kevin. They would nail Ralph. So it's not like they were above it. Okay. So that, that's basically all my questions. Oh, one last thing. The only time I think I ever saw you get mad was against the Armenian comedian. Oh, man. Yeah, it was the oh, only time. It was I rude, and you laid him out. It was pretty amazing. I, and I, I don't typically, it takes a lot for me to get rattled like that, especially, I, and I tried to keep my cool with, you know, guests, obviously with guests, with fans, anybody. But he, it had been like a day and a half prior to that of him just calling and berating and like, saying like really nasty kind of degrading things to me um and so <laughs> he pushed me to the limit and then um that day when he called in i i popped off i just i lost my cool but it was probably the only time i was telling the guys i got like a three and a half hour chunk of armenian comedian stuff when you guys would go on vacation i would listen to this stuff and so i've got that one and you're just yelling at him he said something rude and you're like, excuse me, Sam. It's yeah. awesome. Um, it was only because he had been, he had been literally kind of just picking at it for. The, oh, we like know the Sam. <laughs> we know Sam. Who didn't get in a fight with him? I mean, even Lisa, super nice Lisa had her fill of Sam at one time. You know, I get the funny. I get why they, they continue to, to have him on. Cause he's, he's so kooky that it's funny, but. He was a lot. He was a lot to deal with and rein in. He's funny from a distance. When yeah. Kevin and Bean are talking to him, that's fine. But for you to deal with him, that would not be fun. And in short increments, I, I was always okay if it was like Sam every like once every three months where I had to deal. <laughs> but when it was like constant, it became a lot. Absolutely. Okay, that's all I got. So do you guys have any questions? I have a few. Um, so in the last podcast, which will air soon, um, we talked about you rattling off some concert rules. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Do you still <laughs> subscribe to those concert rules? Yeah, I do for the most part. I think I've, I've, I've given in to the one about, I think there was one I said about like listening to the music, blasting the music in the in the parking lot. I've come full circle on that one. Like I can see the joy because it gets you hyped. But other than that, I stick by anything else that I said. The t-shirts I think was one that I said, like no t-shirt, van yeah. t-shirt. Um, I can't remember what else I brought up, but. Um, Stand fans. up and dance. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're there to listen to enjoy music. Like why would you just sit there the entire time? I never understood that. Okay, here's what cracked me up about that, because we just talked about this last week. You, what, what concert was it that you went to, do you remember, where you had all these rules? It was Bon Jovi. Oh, I'm like, you're in K-Rock with all these alt bands, maybe she's going crazy at the Foo Fighters, and you had all these rules for the Bon Jovi show. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm a real like music geek at heart and I love just about anything. So like any genre I probably have enjoyed at some point. Um, so I mean, you got, it's, it's the Jovi, like you, <laughs> you gotta give it up for Bon Jovi. <laughs> I know I did, that just tickled me for some reason. <laughs> So you recorded a lot of famous jingles on the Kevin and Bean show. Um, some of our favorites include Paper Stains with Psycho Mike and I believe the Clippers song called Run This Town. So how did you get approached to record those? And do you have a favorite? Dave had, you know, his his annual Clippers song and he had um, a go-to person that he usually had do vocals and she had left the station maybe a year prior. So he just randomly asked me to do it. And I said, sure. Um, it was the same thing with Mike when he did both paper stains and jingle boobs. I said yes to anything for those guys. Like I, I didn't, I really didn't care. It takes a lot to offend me. Paper stains, Mike and Omar, I think had like written together and Omar called me randomly and was like, hey, I need, I need your vocals on this song. Can you come in and do this? And I was like, sure. So I didn't, he didn't tell me anything about the song. He didn't tell me what I was singing about. He handed me the lyrics literally like <laughs> that morning. Um, and so we did it and he, he put it together. My favorite, I, I think probably Paper Stains, mostly because that's the original song was so hot at that time. Um, and I thought the parody of it, like what Omar and Mike wrote was hilarious. And so I still giggle anytime like that comes up. I think that was probably, probably my favorite, but I also really liked Jingle Boobs, to be honest. Um, again, cause Mike was just so creative with like the wordplay. Um, but if I had to choose one, it would probably be Paper Stains. Yeah. We were yes. saying that you forget how talented Mike is cause he's oh, psycho. Yes. Yeah. And then you'll hear him play a song like, oh my God, that guy's talented. And incredibly smart too. I feel like that's oh, something yeah. that was lost on um, the listeners, but he's I, he's like a baby bean, to be honest with you. The wealth of knowledge that those two know about the most random things um, will surprise. I was constantly surprised by the information that those two knew. So you talked about Bean's on-air personality and kind of his sharp as a tack. What are the guys like, or what can you tell us about how they were when the mics turned off? They're they're the same, but like um, with a touch, touch of niceness. Like they were always kind. Like they can come off, especially Bean man. Like if you get Bean rolling on something on someone that he's not a fan of, he's he will cut you down. But off-air, it was the same kind of sense of humor. Um, but incredibly kind. I mean, those guys have been amazing to me over the years. They've donated to charities that I've run. They've always had kind things to say. So I think that's just a little, they're a little nicer. I have a theory. I think Ralph even said this before that what you are on the radio, that's a character you're playing. I mean, it could be a version of you, but it's a character. So I think that was especially true of Bean because Bean was a super nice guy, but on the air, like he could lay out Keanu Reeves or Sam. Yeah. But I think that was a character they were kind of playing, just amplifying some facets of their personality. I think that's really like that's a really good point, Eddie. It it's ampl it's who they are truly, like you know, as individuals, but an amplified version. Same with Ralph. Ralph behind the scenes is is just as funny. I mean, the things that would come out just as funny, but like he would go like he would go to the places that he couldn't go while he was on air. So it's it's an amplified amplified or kind of like. Um, limited version of who they are, but you're really getting who they are as individuals. Yeah, I think, I mean, you can't go 30 years on air faking it. So, yeah. I, mean, I think we got to know them, the real them, just through Absolutely. listening. So what about Melfon? Can you talk about the origin story? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what came first, the name or the idea that we were going to do Rocktober. I was typing really quickly for a listener that I had, um, they had some sort of like call in the guy's name was Nelson, but I couldn't understand a word he was saying or hear anything. And so I typed his name as Melfon thinking like that was just his name. And they, they went to him and I think he said something like, nah, man, I'm Nelson. And that just became like the running joke. And that, that entire day, anything that was like a screw up was called like, uh, like they were, they would reference Melfon that entire day. And then I think, we were um, 
spitballing about how we were going to approach Rocktober. And at first it started out with just Mike, like bringing in a guitar and, and, and ripping on the guitar anytime we said Rocktober. And then like, as the, as it progressed, we had a drum off. I partook in like, I wanted to play drums for Melfon. We were trying to decide what the name for the band was going to be. It just kind of spiraled and like snowballed. But yeah, I mean, it was all from a mistake I had. We all know I can't spell, um, <laughs> that I need spell check for everything. So it came off of a, a typo that I had, I had made. I remember because someone called in on what did you nephew and said, Ralph, why don't you get behind the drums? So he was doing showbiz beats from behind the drums. That's right. So that's what I loved about the show. Something would happen out of nowhere. They would run with it and they would make something amazing out of it the way those guys brains worked it was it's on another level i was never able to keep up with them in terms of their quickness and ability to recall something that happened three hours ago and turn it into something completely different and, and make a joke out of it yeah. they're really unreal in, in terms of their talent so it was so spontaneous that's <laughs> what made listening to the show great you're like what the heck could happen today now yeah, it seems like knew. sometimes something would come up and they would say, okay, throw the schedule out. And they would like call someone, they would go somewhere. The spontaneous nature of the show and the, the fact that they were willing to do that really made you feel like, oh, who, what's gonna happen today? Yeah, you, you had to be on your toes at any given moment to be able to run with that show and to produce it too. I mean, you constantly, you know, the producers, Dave, um, you, he had to be able to jump and pivot and move at any given moment. And it was all, you know, it would all be at the direction of Kevin and Bean. We'd get something like a, a call from the studio into the office and be like, Hey, we're throwing out blah, blah, blah. Um, can you tee up? I, I don't know. Ryan, like wh whoever they wanted to call, like, Hey, we're, we're going to call Ryan at the next break. So make sure you have that, um, ready to go. And, and you've got two minutes to get him on the line. <laughs> that was just, that was how, and you had to just go, you had to roll with it. Could you take us kind of like behind the scenes as to what you do as what you did as a phone screener? I've always been curious. It, it really consists of, I mean, the, the main job is taking on any phone, any phone call that came in through the station. The, the radio station had nine lines um, and then you were also managing the business line. So that often consisted of any, any like business um, people that were calling in um, advertising. So it was managing both lines and essentially you, I was kind of the, the gatekeeper. Um, and it took some time to really kind of figure out like who's someone that is calling in that the guys would want, like could play off to their humor. But I'd pick up, um, you know, listen to whatever they had to say, depending on the segment too. Like if it was a call-in segment, obviously all hands are on deck. I'm screening those calls to make sure they're ready to go on air. You know, not only kind of listening to their story, but um, ensuring that their background noise is good, um, their radio's turned off. You know, your your job at that at that phone is to really make sure that whatever is being broadcast on air is is crisp so that they can hear it and that the person is coherent. Oftentimes kind of the big thing that I needed to do was coach them. I know the running joke was, you know, people who couldn't tell a story. <laughs> so a lot of times what I would try to do is coach listeners to be like, look, let's keep this short and sweet, include A, B, and C. You don't need to talk about this. It doesn't matter whether or not the listener, you know, took that advice <laughs> is, is another story, but that was kind of one of the main thing. And then I was also in charge of you know, creating content. Um, I did research on any upcoming guests. I was looking for stories on um, that that I would bring to Ralph, Kevin, or Bean that I thought might be that might make for good on-air content. I was preparing guests like in studio. So like when Eddie came in, any guests that came in, I went and greeted them, brought them back to the studio, prepared them. Um, if they had any questions, got them anything they needed in terms of like you know drinks, food, whatever whatever it was. So it it entailed a lot kind of a lot of moving parts and then I was also in charge of any of our interns that we had they were kind of like my little babies that <laughs> I would nurture and some of them were great and some of them were crazy <laughs> so you know just depending on what was going on obviously whenever there was a call-in or a contest that was my, my main priority but also assisting the show with anything else that I could and then I was also in charge of getting being anything that he needed um, in terms of like you know daily information any like guests that were anything that like promos that the the station was running, we'd fax that to him every morning so that he was aware of like what was going on. Yeah, a lot of moving parts. 
did you ever consider staying in radio? You know, I actually thought, so when I left to go to law school, I, I actually thought I wanted to be an entertainment lawyer. Um, and I, my initial goal was to go back into either radio or um, television. But I, I went to law school, took my first year of contracts class and was like, nope, this is not what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. And truthfully, like, you know, going into entertainment, that's the, that's the heavy bulk is you're reviewing contracts and um, negotiating. But it, it stemmed from what was going on at Kevin and Bean. We were getting more and more pushback from our lawyers, the CBS lawyers, and it was really infuriating to me. And I thought, I want to be a lawyer that advocates for talent, you know, to be to be on their side as opposed to the lawyer or in-house counsel that is just looking out for the company as a whole. Yeah. You wanted to be that there and kind of fight for the talent to get something yeah, creative was, on. Interesting. Exactly. I hadn't really thought about law school prior to, to that. And it was it was really stemmed from, like I said, the interactions that we were having with the lawyer, like constant calls that we were having with the lawyers on a day-to-day basis. So that was the the root of all of it. Did you have a favorite guest? Oh, wow. I mean, the only time I got kicked out of the studio was when Will Ferrell and John C. Riley came in because I was obsessed with them. That was that was a big highlight. Anytime Dave Grohl came in was also really cool. I, I just sat back in awe anytime he was in the studio. And the, the only other one that I think was just a personal like memory of mine, because I'll never forget it. Um, Bradley Cooper came in and I, I want to say he was promoting, it might've been the first Hangover movie. It was either the first or the second. And I typically maintain my composure um, in front of guests, but for whatever reason, I got tongue tied and twisted in front of Bradley Cooper. I went to go get him from the front of the studio to bring him back. And he was on the phone. So I kind of was just standing there. And then he looked up and saw that I was waiting and he immediately, he said, oh, I got I to gotta call you back. Um, he hung up and said, I am so sorry for being so rude. And he like extended his hand and he's like, hi, I'm Bradley. And I literally walked into the door. Like I was so like, I got so like wrapped up and nervous and like just in awe. I went to go turn around and I thought that I had still had the door like to go into the studio open and it had shut and I didn't realize it. And I literally like slammed right into the door. And he was like, oh my God, are you okay? Like, <laughs> it was so embarrassing. And so because it's so memorable, that's probably one of one of my, my favorite uh, memories because it was just horrible. Oh Sounds like God. a TV show. Yeah. I want to see the Sarah show. <laughs> well, that reminds me, so have bad. you heard about a K-Rock documentary they're making? So I know that I, that, I mean, that, they had been talking about it for years. Um, I know that it's in the works with Corolla and, and someone else that's co-producing. But other than that, I don't know much else. I was just curious because we heard it was being made and then you don't hear anything for a while. Yeah, you know, it's, I think it's hard, especially for someone like Corolla, who's also got a career of his own and, and things that he gets caught up in, and tied in. Um, and I, I don't know, it's, I mean, I don't know how far back they're going. K-Rock's got a, a wealth of like history and, you know, there's a lot to dig into that they're really trying to do an all, you know, all inclusive um, kind of documentary. So I imagine, you know, it, it would take a lot of work. How did you get the name Miss Cleo and how did the radio names get issued? It was all, I think Mike came up with it. And so my, my entire family is from, um, from Egypt and the guys knew that. And so it came up with something about the size of my breasts being like pyramids. And then that led to like Cleopatra. And then they shortened it to Cleo because there was no way they were going to say like Cleopatra 50 times or like however many times they needed to call me. So that was kind of the origin of it. I always thought it was that um, the psychic, Miss Cleo. It's not that, huh? It has nothing to do with that. Okay, I know. I'm glad I found out. <laughs> and so what are you doing now? So I'm actually recruiting for attorneys and paralegals. Um, I work for Robert Half Legal um, as a recruiter and account executive. So kind of still in the legal space, um, but I've been doing that for 
three years now. Um, have you been listening to Kevin and Sluggo at all? No, unfortunately. So I'm working remote from home um, and I haven't been, so I don't commute anymore. Um, and I'm on the phones a lot interviewing like candidates and talking with clients. So I haven't really been able, I caught the first show, I caught bits and pieces of the first show. Um, but I haven't been able to hear anything since I, but I love Sluggo too, actually. I had a great relationship with Sluggo before um, he left K-Rock. So I think those two would, I think that they, if they allow them the space to grow, I think that they can really do some really awesome things. Yeah, I think they are because they let Kevin talk about the old K-Rock days. They had Bean on. So I think KLOS has been very smart about this. I am glad to hear that. Yeah, and we're definitely kind of commenting on how they're bringing a lot of the segments like just a second they do that basically, but they call it something mm -hmm. different and like Friday they do like all requests, which is kind of like the party machine. Oh, I love that. I love that. Kevin, Kevin is amazing. We actually used to, we used to joke around that we were like, I'm the, the girl version of Kevin and Kevin is the boy version of me. Like our minds think very similarly. <laughs> um I, you're I, smarter than that come on yeah i was gonna say <laughs> i don't know we made like a lot i want to be kevin kevin's fun <laughs> everybody likes kevin i met him for one minute and i'm like i'm in love i love this guy he's um <laughs> he's he's amazing he's an amazing human being so so you were on you were on the show for three years and mm -hmm. you know as we were all discussing that we thought it was longer because there's so many Miss Cleo memories and it's been over 10 years since you've been on the show and there's so much love for you from the fans how do you interact with the fans still today I mean by and large the fans were really great to me so um I'm always I also never understood why anyone was interested in anything that I had to say so it's very <laughs> bizarre to me <laughs> but I mean the Kevin and Bean fans you know they're they're so dedicated to the show um and they you guys know more about what went on than sometimes, you know, the people that, that worked on the show. So I always really appreciated um, that enthusiasm. And anytime someone asks me about it, I'm more than happy to talk about my time. Everybody I've talked to, like Bean, Kevin, you, they're like, oh, it's just a radio show to them. And you guys are all nice about it. No one's stuck <laughs> up. No one's a bitch. No one's an <laughs> asshole. I'm, I'm always stunned like you. You're like, oh, who cares? I'm like, you were on a big show that meant a lot to a lot of people. Well, I got it. It does. It comes. It's a top down thing for sure. And Kevin and Bean had zero. I mean, they, you know, everyone has said it. Jimmy Kimmel, um, Adam Carolla, Ralph. There is zero egos when it comes to those guys. Zero. Um, and like I said, you know, it's a top down thing. When your top stars act like that, you can't help but learn to feel the same way. So it's a, it's a testament to the way that Kevin and Bean ran the show. And I always say I was a small part of a very big thing that, you know, it's a staple in, in Southern California radio history. So any any time that I had was an honor to be to be on that show. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, should I ask her? Oh, she'll probably say no. I couldn't believe it when you said yes. No, thank you of so course. Much. It's my pleasure. This has been real fun. It's been fun going down memory lane, too. It's been a while since I, you know had to had to think about those times but it I mean the things that I got to take part in in the short amount of time that I was there I'll never forget some of those memories so this has been a lot of fun thank you guys yeah we'd love to have you anytime